Are you tired, Poppy? No. Hey, Poppy. You really think people want to make their own pizza? Kramer, did I ever tell you about my mother? My mother. There you go. What? Anyway, I'm uh, sorry again about the... The, the, the what? The... The, the, so, so long. Huh? The, I'll see you tonight. Right? All right. But I don't want to be a secondary character. Hello. Hello. Welcome to this week's episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. I am Stephen. And I. Am Ivan? Yes, you are. My mother once made podcast, and then she quit, and then she ate fish and died. On the uh, on the open seas. That's right. Yes. You're the only person who can uh, do the stereotypical Italian accent without <laughs> yep. it being considered racially insensitive because you're a Italian. Pretty good, huh? My blood, bloody wogs. That's right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, this week we are doing the couch, a underrated episode, I'd say. Uh, underrated, yeah. Quite a few enjoyable moments. And uh, if this is your first time listening, this is a podcast where we talk about the secondary characters from every episode of Seinfeld, and we do it in random order to kind of spice things up, like the uh, chili and the wine that Poppy got as a gift in yeah, this episode. Five alarm chili. <laughs> five alarm chili. I have a gastrointestinal problem. <laughs> this is some kind of a sicker joke. <laughs> yeah. How can you be friends with those two? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a very underrated episode and also a very interesting cast and um, some good secondary characters in this one too. Yeah, and we'll get into those a bit later. Mm. In the meantime, if you want to get in touch, you can email bidwabask, B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C podcast at gmail.com. You can say hello on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Reddit. You can listen to this episode, obviously, because you are right now, and all previous episodes, wherever you get your podcasts, and if you want to leave us a review uh, or tell anyone else about us, that would be amazing. That would be great. And finally, we are on Patreon as well, so if you head to patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, you can check out all the tiers and uh, what you get for your dollars per month. Yes, and big thanks to our fourth and latest patron. Her name is Nakia. Is it Nakia? Nakia. Nakia. Yes, so thank you very much, Nakia. Uh, We actually, in Seinfeldisms last week, we told her story about dating a guy named Mr. Steinfeld. That's right. So, uh, yeah, go back and listen to that one. So, yeah, thank you very much, Nakia. It's uh, very nice that you're supporting us for $2 a month. You get bonus goodies as well as early access to episodes each week. That's right. Thank you so much. Uh, She is a personal friend of mine, and I do have a very small update about her uh, latest dating sort of adventures. Oh, okay, great, great. Excellent. Well, well, we can get into those now. Yeah, well, I don't have any Seinfeldisms, so you might as well go straight into yours. Okay, well, you can kind of share one of mine because it kind of involved both of us today. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. I'll explain that one then. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah, you can have that one. Okay. Yeah, I'll throw you that bone. Yeah, please. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So the first one for me this week, I was listening to a podcast through the week. It's called The Illusionist. It's a podcast about language and linguistics. And one of the hosts was telling a story and they said, yada yada a cunning linguist a cunning linguist that's right that's <laughs> so right. yada yada so what was he talking about uh, yada, i can't yada, remember yada. he was he was talking about a story and it had a lot of details in there and he was just trying to get to the point and he said blah 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 or he said whatever 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 yada yada and then he made oh. his point i can't remember nice nice yeah uh the second one and it's kind of an extension of last week is that nakir is no longer seeing mr steinfeld oh that's a shame i did say last week that he's that she told me that his uh, text game was weak and uh, we were chatting about it on Facebook Messenger and funnily enough he texted that day and I think things were okay for a couple of days and uh, he hasn't responded for about five or six days as of this recording Okay, so she's finally decided to give him the flick so maybe, maybe someone peed on his couch and yeah. you know he's he's curled up in a corner <laughs> he's in his house that out. he's trying to figure out he's like what what the 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 the, the what the, yeah the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, and the third Seinfeldism, which is mine, but I'm giving to you, is... Okay, yes. So, at work today, Stephen sends me a message, and he says, look at the name of this customer. The name of the customer, well, we don't know the first name, for privacy reasons we won't say it, but uh, T-Bone. That's right, so initial T <laughs> dot bone. And then I was like, where's Coco the monkey? Yeah. Is that another customer? Coco the monkey. Coco, 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 Yeah, yes. when I saw that, I chuckled and oh, I had to send it to you. So good, yeah, so good. Anyway, right. if you listen, T-Bone, hello. <laughs> or if your name is Bone. 
get in touch with us, Mr. Bone, Mrs. Bone. Yeah, or Seven. Yeah, or Seven, or Soda. <laughs> if your name is Seven Bone, <laughs> then please get in touch with us. Yeah. You, you can come on the podcast and be a, a full-time host. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love it. Just just because your name's Seven Bone. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Seinfeld News. Seinfeld News. So, yeah. only two this week. Two yep. pretty big pieces of news, though. Uh, the first one is about a, uh, a Lego set. Um, so, as I've talked about over the last couple of weeks with various bits and pieces, Seinfeld will be celebrating its 30th anniversary of its original air date on July 5th. Yeah, well, we are recording on July 2nd in Australia right now. So, for our patrons, this will be out around that time. But for yep. everyone else, it'll be a week later. So, yeah. apologies in advance. Yes, yes. For the times. And uh, amongst other things, a designer in America, um, I didn't catch his name, he's actually uh, designed a Lego set, and it's five figurines of the Core 4 plus Newman. Yeah, how good is that? Yeah, it's really cool. Really Um, cool. And it's set in uh, Jerry's apartment. And it's not actually being developed, but there's a site, um, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but you can submit uh, concept ideas for Lego designs, and if you get 10,000 yeses or votes then that's submitted to Lego and then they consider whether they design that or not. Yeah. And uh, it's got two years left on this concept, um, I guess, drive, if you like. Um, And so far, it's already got 3,000 votes. So it's going to reach 10,000 pretty comfortably. Fantastic. Uh, And then once it goes to Lego, then they decide whether it's actually worthwhile making this uh, set. So, (laughs) yeah, fingers crossed. Hopefully it does. Really cool. That's exciting. Yeah, and and be sure to vote. We'll uh, leave in the show notes how to do that. Yeah, I'll leave a link to the uh, to the article as well as to the voting page where you can uh, put one in for um, for that to be designed. Mm. So the second bit of news, and this was widely covered across all sorts of uh, media outlets and uh, websites, a quote unquote Seinfeld experience will be opening in New York. Mm, yes, and we have actually had a few listeners who've sent us the link as well. So yeah. thank you very much. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and obviously, it's inspired by uh, Seinfeld. Um, it will be opening in the neighborhood of Gramercy, which is in New York City somewhere. Um, that is this fall in America, so our spring, so sort of the second half, the third quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and it promises, quote, an immersive behind-the-scenes real and spectacular look at the era-defining sitcom. <laughs> so Sidra will be there, Terry Hatcher. Yeah. She'll open the night. That's right. She'll open the event. Yes. This this experience is real and it's spectacular. Ah, excellent. If she's there, I reckon everyone should go. <laughs> Just like my tits. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, and Jerry himself said, because, I'm, uh, because I am Seinfeld, uh, for a long time, I was the only person to actually have the Seinfeld experience. Now others can. Yes, that's yeah. very exciting. And if you are going to the event, let us know. We're pretty curious to see how many people are actually going to this event. I think it'll be huge. Yeah, it'll be massive. Yeah, yeah so it's being put on by uh, a company called Superfly, and they're the producers of a couple of, like, amongst other things, Clusterfest, which is one of the biggest comedy fests in the US, as well as Bonaro, which is a major music festival up there with sort of like... Um, Coachella and you know it's a massive massive mm, festival huge yeah um, and they're doing it in, in uh, collaboration with Warner Brothers consumer products um, and they've said that the experience they haven't sort of released particular details all they've said is that it will include costumes memorabilia re- recreated sets and props as well as never before seen uh, never before seen clips of NYC's quirky quartet um, being the core four um, and prizes have yet to be announced. Um, and the experience, like I said, starts in the third quarter of the year and it will be running through February 2020. So there's about five or six months to uh, to get along. Really nice. And uh, yeah, if you are going to the event or if, like I said, if you're going, send us some photos on social media. I'd love to see how many people or how many of our listeners are going. Yeah. It'd be fantastic. I think there'll be, at least in the opening few weeks, I think there'll be lines out the door. Oh, yeah, yep. for sure. There was a massive uh, exhibit. I think it was about three or four years ago. It was some in some regional part of England that Banksy did, mm-hmm, you know, the yeah. anonymous graffiti artist. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a, an immersive kind of world experience. I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, my friend and, well, your friend too, Andy, went. Yes. Um, yeah, and, you know, even six, eight weeks after it opened, there were lines <laughs> down the street. So I think this will be very similar. Yeah, very cool. You know. It'll be like the line at the Soup Nazis shop. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's it. That would be cool if there was a line and you had to, like, follow the procedure of the soup nazi and like, larry thomas was literally in character as the yeah, soup nazi. no seinfeld experience for you yeah that's right but obviously that would joke they wouldn't kick people out for not following the the uh the ticket ordering procedure precisely no no uh yeah and that's all the seinfeld news for the week so we'll link both of those articles in the show notes yeah very good let's take a quick break and when we come back we're talking about the secondary characters from season six episode five the couch 
Hi, this is Zach and Aaron from Seinfeld Law, and uh, you are listening to But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. Hey folks, we've been doing this podcast for over two years now, and uh, you probably don't know, but we're on Patreon. That's right. If you head to our Patreon, which is uh, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C, you can check out all the different tiers we have. That's right. And uh, as well as our general tiers, we actually have special tiers for potential show sponsors and content creators. So if you want to share your goods or services or anything awesome you're doing, there's special tiers just for you. That's right. And uh, if you wanted to support us, you can chuck in a dollar a month to the Human Fund, Money for People, i.e. us, and uh, that will continue helping us do what we do, which is talk about the secondary characters from Seinfeld each week. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so if you are a supporter, thank you. And if you've thought about it, thank you. And uh, if you want to support us, thank you. Yes, patreon.com forward slash B-I-D-W-B-A-S-C. Happy podcasting. So The Couch was in Season 6, and there was the fifth episode of that wonderful season of Seinfeld. First aired in the US on October 27, 1994, directed by Andy Ackerman, written by Larry David again. For the second week in a row, we've had a Larry David penned episode. Mm. Really cool. Jerry buys a new couch, giving his old one to Elaine. George joins a book club to impress his girlfriend, and he's assigned to read Breakfast at Tiffany's. It's only 90 pages, but if there's no sports, George can't concentrate. Uh, Elaine falls immediately for Carl, the hunky man, played by David James Elliott, who delivers Jerry's couch. And David James Elliott, because I I forgot who he was. I was thinking of another actor before I watched this episode, Steve, and he's actually the guy from Jag, the main dude. Oh, yeah. And I thought, wow, he looks a lot like John Hamm. You know, he's got that kind of mad men kind of suave vibe about him. I'm like, he looks a lot like him. And I was like, who is David James Elliott? Oh, the Jag guy. Yeah, I've seen him before. My grandma used to love that show. Yeah, I used to watch it in the 90s when I was a kid. Yeah, there you go. I was like, oh, yeah, he looks very familiar. There you go. Suave dude. Yeah. And he's a removalist. Handsome bloke. Too handsome to be a removalist. Yeah. Kramer plans to start a pizza business where you make your own pie, and that was an idea introduced in Male Unbonding. Mm-hmm. And I love how Kramer's reminding Jerry of the business, and he almost says it verbatim from that episode. Yeah. He says it the way, you know, you get the pie, you smash the dough, you put the things in, and you put it straight in the oven, just the way he delivers it. It's very similar to the Male Unbonding episode. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, Seinfeld's always been known for... Uh, doing continuity very well. Mm. So that makes perfect sense that he would quote it exactly the way he did uh, in the very first episode. Indeed. And he's planning on opening the business with Poppy, who makes a return. He's played by Rennie Santoni. I think that's really smart writing to partner, you know, to revisit an old idea of Kramer's because some of his harebrained schemes do come up uh, from time to time, you know, after they're initially dismissed. And to revisit it and incorporate Poppy, I think is a really smart idea because he's an Italian restaurateur who, yeah, I just think, uh, that was an intelligent use of his character yeah. and, you know, combining him with Kramer. I really like that. And especially Poppy being sanctioned by the, you know, health department or whatever it was. I yeah. think he's kind of, I think once we talk about him, but I'm probably getting a bit ahead, but he's kind of figured out the errors of his ways and he's uh, a bit more hygienic now. Yeah. And he's pretty keen to kind of start anew. At least publicly. At least publicly. <laughs> I love when he goes to shake Jerry's hand and Jerry looks at it for a couple of seconds and then he just... <laughs> You know, he just kind of awkwardly shakes it. He's yeah. like, Ugh. Yeah. I understand that. I'd be a bit hesitant. I'd be like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. But then the pee doesn't go uh, on his hands anymore. It goes on the couch. Straight on the couch. <laughs> Straight on the couch. The, the, the... Um, Jerry and Elaine sit down at Poppy's for a special dinner of duck, but before they're served, they get into a discussion in which Poppy tells him that he is pro-life regarding abortion, thus causing Elaine to walk out in protest along with some other diners. Later, Jerry casually asks Elaine what Carl's stand is on abortion. (laughs) I love that. It's like, he's the perfect guy. I'm in love with him, Elaine says, and then Jerry's like, but the question is... What's his stand on abortion? <laughs> what? And then I love how Lane's doing a lipstick, and then she just kind of it lets it run down her cheek. She's when like, she oh, realizes yeah. when the penny drops. And how good is it when he says, when Carl's like, one day we're going to get enough numbers in the Supreme Court to change that law. Yeah. And then Elaine just starts crying. She's like, <laughs> the look on his face reminds me of, uh, I can't remember the character's name, but the guy who sort of gets in a trance every time he hears Desperado. Oh, yeah, kind from of just the looks off, yeah, He yeah, kind yeah. of looks off in the distance. He's yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. one day when we get enough Supreme Courts... Uh, Supreme Court justices, we're going to change that law. And you're actually turning away as you're yeah, talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you've, you're got, you've, got to, you've got to experience it. You've got to act it. <laughs> and uh, she breaks up with him after finding out that he is pro-life as well, although they seemed madly in love. And Elaine thought that this he was the one. That was it. Yeah. He had no other flaws. That's the funny thing about Seinfeld, you know. They seem like the perfect people. 
and then they, there's one floor and that's it. Do you think you could overcome that? I mean, you know, you're happily with your, your partner, mm. but if you were single and you met someone who was, you know, great, like everything about them you liked, but they just had one major <laughs> belief or idea that you just fundamentally disagreed with, could you put that aside considering everything else that's good about them? Do you mean abortion or just oh, any anything. subject? I was like going to say, if it's anything. abortion, it's not me gonna, that's going to have it. So. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> you, can, you can still have a, a, a passionate point of view about abortion just because you're not a woman. Uh, it depends what it is, really. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to be about abortion. It could be just something that people are really passionate about. You know, like if you're super passionate about a thing and then they aren't, but that's the only thing that would work against a relationship. Could you forgive that? I or do you think it's too much of a distance in values? I could only forgive or- it. Well, I can forgive it if they don't enforce it on me. If mm. they say, look, these are my beliefs, you know, and these are your beliefs, yep. great. I mean, for example, if, if, if I met someone who was a vegetarian yep. and they didn't eat meat, you know, that's fine. Mm. You know, we cook ve- maybe it'll it'll compel me to eat more vegetables and yeah. less meat. You know what I mean? Maybe that'll change me. But, but as I long think- as they don't go in my face and say, you're eating meat, you're an animal, you know what yep. I mean? As long as they don't go in my face and get angry at me for it, I'll be like, oh, Fair well, enough. you know, if you can, if I can put up with that, you can put up with me. You know what I mean? Fair enough. Yeah. I Very mean, diplomatic. Indeed. What about you? Uh, yeah, I guess so. Um, I'd want to get to know them before I made that decision. I wouldn't just make that decision based on them expressing one belief that I fundamentally disagree with. Because mm-hmm. a lot of the time when people express one belief, it might be indicative of other opinions they might have on mm-hmm. other topics you might care about. Yeah, yeah. So I'd want to spend a bit more time with them mm-hmm. before I made that decision. Absolutely. But it would be something to be thought about at least. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, I couldn't just put it on the shelf and get on with it. I'd have to have a bit of bit of a bit of a thought process to decide whether it's worth it. Yeah, I mean it has to be a two-way street. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Lot, but a, but a mismatch yeah. in values is a pretty hard thing to overcome. Uh, yeah. You know, there's agree to disagree and then there's also am I compromising who I am? Yeah. I mean if I was like a trophy hunter who shot deer mm. and then I met like a vegan, yep. you know, obviously that wouldn't fly. No. <laughs> you know, there's limits to yeah. that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but no, it, it depends what it is really yeah. and how severe it is and uh, I mean it also depends how much, you know, and they reinforce it to you. Yeah, like with Elaine, the reason I ask is like, you know, he can hold... He's obviously very, um, you know, he he's firm in his opinion. Mm. He's like very pro-life and he thinks the law should be changed. Mm. So he's obviously coming from like a religious or a conservative kind of point of view about that. I was thinking that too, yeah. Maybe yeah. We'll, when we talk about him, we'll probably talk about his origins and maybe why he came up with that yeah. stance. Yeah. No, I didn't want to talk about him. I'm just, mm. just using that as the example of... He can hold that pr- opinion privately, but not be preachy about it. He yeah. can just, you know, that's just what he thinks in his own mind. Yeah. But if he was out there, you know, protesting in front of abortion clinics yeah. and, you know, throwing stuff on women who are just trying to get abortions, then I would understand why Elaine just goes, no. Nah. I, I just think her decision's very quick. Anyway, we'll talk about it more when yeah. we get into it. When we talk about Carl. Anyway, George struggles to read all 90 pages of Breakfast at Tiffany's and he tries to rent the movie instead. He visits the video stores. Uh, he visits a video store uh, to rent the movie. After the clerk, he's played by Patton Oswald, And would you believe it, this is his first TV role. Oh, wow. Patton Oswald, yeah. Uh, he declines George's request to call the renters of the movie. Uh, George peeks at the computer screen to see who has the rental copy. Uh, a copy. He heads to the apartment of the renter and in typical George fashion comes up with an elaborate story in order to be invited in to watch the movie. Pink eye. Yes. Later, George accidentally spills grape juice all over the family's couch and he's kicked out of their apartment before he can see the ending of the film. Poppy comes to visit and he pees on Jerry's new couch. Kramer assures him that the stain will come out. But as we know, Jerry is a germaphobe, so he doesn't want a bar of it. He gives the couch to George. I don't understand why they don't just get a professional cleaner. They just they just seem Jerry's to... a germaphobe. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> that's what Jerry's like. Yeah, I guess you know? so. You know, I understand Jerry not wanting the couch, but even if he didn't, even if he was going to get rid of the couch, he could still just clean it in the yeah. meantime. You know, like George is like, I'll take it with the piss on it. Just get a cleaner. It's so it's so dumb. Uh, well, that's the fun of it, though. That's Jerry's personality. You know, Jerry just really exaggerates when it's all to do with hygiene and stuff. He just really exaggerates. And it comes back to Poppy not washing his hands. I think it's like a connection to the pie yep. episode that we've done on him. Yes. You know, it's kind of like, like I said, the pee is no longer on Poppy's hands, but it's on Jerry's couch. True. And those memories just come flooding back mm. <laughs> for poor Jerry. Stark reminder. <laughs> Indeed. Kramer's business with Poppy ends because Poppy objects to Kramer putting cucumbers on his pizza 
pizza, and it becomes a meta commentary on abortion. Yes, that's re- right. Regarding whether a pizza is a pizza when you start punching the dough, or whether you throw it in the oven, or when it comes out of the oven. Or when it comes out of the oven, indeed. Yeah, mm. um, and I learned that in our first Seinfeld trivia. We did, we did yeah. back in 2017. I that's, think it was around June, July 2017. That's about right. Two years ago. Yeah, because that what, was one of the questions, and that, we were like, oh, yeah, because what? what they did. Basically, the question was, what were what was the meta commentary or the context of what Kramer and Poppy were arguing about? And they yeah. played a film clip, and we were like, what the hell? Like, mm. we were wondering what it was. Because we haven't watched that episode in ages. And then they're like, oh, the answer's abortion. And it's like, ah, of course. Yeah, it made sense, but yeah. I'd never heard that before at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There yeah. you go. So it alludes to abortion. Huh. And I guess people think that this is the abortion episode as well. Because yeah. abortion plays a big theme yep. in this episode too. And obviously that's a that's a conversation for another day we won't get into. Um, but yeah, I guess <laughs> yeah, it's quite a, quite controversial even today. Even yeah. 20, 30 years ago, it's still, it was controversial. I think it'll always be divisive. Always be divisive indeed. Uh, Jerry takes his old couch back from Elaine. While in her apartment to move the couch, Elaine offers Carl something to drink, ironically grape juice. She throws it and it hits the couch before it gets to Carl. Oh, the couch. Oh, the couch. When George's book club meets in the credits, he remarks that Holly Golightly, who was the main character from Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, got together with her neighbour, Fred Varjahak. And since this happened in the movie and not the book, George's girlfriend, Lindsay, played by Jessica Hecht, realises that he didn't read it. Jess, uh, George... He's gay. He's gay. Other secondaries include Denise Douse, who plays uh, Remy's mother. So Remy's the young girl who has breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Marie Weiss, Tamar Cooper, Beverly C. Brown and Jerris Poindexter all play patrons at Poppy's. One of them agrees with Poppy and the other two leave. Uh, the other three leave, rather. Trivia for the episode, Stephen. Did you know that this is Kramer's 200th episode, or 200th entrance, rather, into Jerry's apartment? I did know that How because I was going that? to read the same uh-huh. bit of trivia nice. if I started that section. Indeed. What, what do you have? Uh, so, in the episode, Elaine says that she enjoys a meal of duck. She really emphasizes, she's like, I love duck. But uh, in The Strike, which is the first episode of season nine, she says that she'll only eat fish, Mm. and that's only very occasionally. So, I don't know. She could have changed her diet in three years. Yeah. You know. Things change. Yeah. She could have loved duck, and then maybe the experience with Poppy turned her off duck. Mm -hmm. You know, she forever associated it with abortion. She's like, Mm. duck, abortion? I don't eat that anymore. But we have seen Elaine eat other food and other meats as well, so... Yeah. It doesn't make sense. I'm sure she has. Yeah, she has. I can't remember off the top of my head, but... I know I've seen her eat, but I can't remember if she's eaten meat. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm pretty sure she has. Yeah. Um. So the couch that Poppy ruins is referred to again in The Doorman, a later season six episode. That's where Poppy makes a uh, an appearance in the final scene. That's right. Yeah. Um. And also the conversation, like we mentioned about pizza, when a pizza is actually a pizza, is a debate regarding abortion and when a fetus becomes a person. The last bit of trivia I have is mm. that uh, when George is about to watch uh, the movie with um, Joe and Remy. Mm, yeah. He says that they he loves the fact that there are two nuts named after people, one being Hazel and the other being Philbert, but they're actually two names for the same nut. Is Philbert not a real thing? Uh, no, I think it's a name. I just think it's a more obscure name. Oh, it's, okay. it's another name for a hazelnut, but I've never <laughs> no, heard of it. No, nah, me either. Maybe it's regional or oh, old or something. Jeez, what do you call hazelnuts where you're from? <laughs> you know, we get listeners from all over the world. Is it a Philbert nut or a hazelnut where you are? Yeah. Please let us know. I don't know. It just sounds like a word. It could have been like you know from 1806 or something yeah, you know you think so you think it'd be in a mark twain novel yeah, or something you know something like that <laughs> uh but there you go yeah there you go a rare a rare uh fuck up for seinfeld really Normally their cool. writing's really on point yeah there you go oh cool. well uh do awesome. you have any other trivia uh yeah so that scene where jerry has uh water in his face when he yells at kramer saying puppy peter my new sofa that was improvised that didn't wasn't actually meant to happen so uh, <laughs> Jerry grabs Michael Richards during the scene and uh, Michael sprays some water at Jerry by accident as he's being grabbed and uh, they both stay in character. Yeah. So that was, yeah, that wasn't meant to happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. And I loved I loved by that stage how Jerry's, you know, he's getting more into the acting and he's getting a bit better. And, uh, you know, usually probably in an earlier season he would have said cut, cut, but no. He was pretty keen. He was like, yeah. no, I'm staying in character. One of those happy accidents. Yeah, it was fantastic. Really Poppy, good. Poppy's accident wasn't so happy. That's right. It wasn't no. even an accident, really. No, no. And uh, just a bit about Breakfast at Tiffany's, for those who may not know, it was a 1958 novella uh, published or written by Truman Capote. Uh, tells the story of a writer who recalls his meeting with the remarkable neighbour, Holly Golightly, and uh, that she is played in 1961 in a film starring Audrey Hepburn and George Peppard plays the writer Paul and uh, it also features a character by Mickey Rooney a very controversial character called Mr. Uniyoshi and uh, yeah basically it's a 
yellow face portrayal of a white man playing an Asian person with all the unfortunate stereotypes of Asian people featured as well. I won't go into those, but you probably get the idea. But yes, it does take away from that film, unfortunately. I think it's a great film, but yeah, that... Uh, yeah. yeah, makes me makes me cringe. It's very cringy. Very cringy, yes. Yeah. But a very iconic film and an iconic book. For sure. Well. It's yeah. funny, I, I, I've had... I, I don't know if I still have it because I've got quite a few books... Um, and they're all leather bound um, in, in my mahogany bookcase. Oh, no, yes. No, yes, I've Ron. Just, what have yeah. you got? Um, I think I've still got a, a copy of Breakfast at Tiffany's and I've started to read it maybe three or four times and I've just never been engaged. I've, I've maybe read the first chapter and gone, eh, I don't care about this. And is the colour of the book uh, deep blue something? <laughs> <laughs> and I say, what about Breakfast at Tiffany's? And she says, I think I remember that film. Yeah. Did that happen to you in the 90s? <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what happened. That's exactly that song's what happened. about me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, actually, I read a um, I read a list of the worst songs of all time a couple of years ago, and that song popped up popped up on the list. Who sings it again? Uh, it's called Deep Blue Something. They're, oh, they're the band. Yeah. Oh, they're called Deep and Blue the Something. And the song and the and the song's called Breakfast at Tiffany's. Yeah. And it's funny because it, it, they described the song as if it was a person, it would be someone who would corner you in a party and would just try and talk crap about work and stuff with you. Yep. And they just like, you couldn't get away. They said uh, the song is like that. It just corners you and won't let you go when you want to talk to other people. It's like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> like that guy, uh, what's the episode we did a few weeks ago where uh, Elaine and Jerry go to the party? And they're, oh, and The they, Stranded. The Stranded, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, the, the, the guys... Michael ba- Chiklis's character. Uh, no, no, the guy's bailing up Elaine talking about the... Is it the peanuts? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. the cashew, yeah. Oh, the cashew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, one man is so passionate about the, the cashew. Yeah, and yeah. Elaine's just... And then uh, Elaine's like scratching her head. Yeah. She's doing that that hand signal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah this song is that. That's basically... This song yeah. is him. They, it literally said it, it's it's a personification of that. This, this song. song. Yeah. <laughs> I know, and it's one of the worst of all time. I yeah. forgot what it was, but it was like two, three years ago. It's pretty horrible. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. This song is the banya. Songs. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Total Punisher. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, shall we get into the secondary characters? Yep. All right. Awesome. Who are we talking about first? Uh, let's talk about Carl. Carl, played by David James Elliott, a.k.a. 1990s John Hamm, <laughs> based on his looks and his hairstyle. He's most famous for playing the lead character Harmon Rob Jr. in the TV series, rather. I was going to say the film. I think they did a film of it as well. Uh, the TV series Jag for 10 years from 1995 to 05. Uh, he's also appeared in TV shows Spinning Out and Secret and Lies, uh, Secrets and Lies, and he's appeared in the films Trumbo and The Storm. Okay. Yeah, so Carl, I think he comes from a conservative background, to be honest. Mm. I think that's how he has the uh, pro-life choice. I think that's probably why he's pro-life. Or I guess you could probably say maybe his previous girlfriend, maybe he had an experience with abortion. Maybe his partner went to go get one and she died on the table or... Maybe something went wrong, or I don't know. Maybe something, some complications happened, and then from then on, he's like, "Oh wow," you know. So, so his opinion was either informed by personal trauma, yep. personal experience, or uh, his or his conservative values, or his upbringing. Yeah. Okay. I think one of the two. Right. That, that's all I can. I mean, think they could of, be really. related. You know, yeah. some people go through an experience and they change their worldview. Yeah. He could have been more liberal, and then maybe went through something traumatic with his ex partner. Yeah, or that's somebody what I'll, knows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and what then I was maybe thinking. he leaned towards more of a Republican conservative worldview. Because there are a lot of people who, you know, they don't come from religious backgrounds, mm. and they're all pro-choice, pro-choice, pro-choice. Yeah. And then something, something monumental happens to them or someone they know, and then suddenly they're like, "Oh no, actually, abortions are no good." Yeah. And they'll just turn. Yep. Yeah. Or other times it could be the other way around. Yeah. As well. So. No, I've met people who've. Yeah. Completely and utterly change their sort of core values or core worldview based mm. on, you know, a, a, a huge experience, a profound experience in their life. Yeah. Um, years ago, I met this Ukrainian guy who uh, was living in Canada. Yeah. And he was like a anarchist kind of communist guy. He was like super lefty. You know, he used to, I think he used to be involved with like Antifa and stuff, like yeah. crazy stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when the Ukrainian revolution happened, he saw all of his like anarchist communist mates do a bunch of stuff that was hypocritical to their beliefs. I think they... I, I don't know what they did. They Maybe they committed violence when they were pacifist or something like that. <laughs> and then he became Mussolini. Uh, no, he, he literally became like a right-wing nationalist. Oh, wow. You know, something equivalent to that. Nice. And, he, and that was from one day to the next. Okay. You know, and it was go. because he saw all of his mates, like, take up arms and commit violence when they were sort of... Uh, sworn pacifist. pacifist or yeah, something yeah, yeah. like that. You know, yeah. he he witnessed this ultimate hypo- hypocrisy and, and changed his tune entirely. So, okay. yeah, that's I mean, an extreme it, view. I know that. I know yeah. that's not common, but some you know people. My point is, is that people hmm. can go through massive life changing experiences and sort of come out the other end completely different to when they started. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that could have happened to um, 
to, to Joe. To, to Carly. Carl. Sorry, Carl. Carl. <laughs> Joe. Yeah. We haven't talked about Joe yet. No. And also, yeah, for Carl, he says that he has no furniture. When I, He says, I'd invite you upstairs, Elaine, but uh, I don't have any furniture. I don't know if he was just taking the piss or if he was for real. I mean, for me, I remember, like, when I used to work at Subway, you know, I used to make the sandwiches and then and the wraps and all that stuff. I couldn't eat sandwiches while I was working there. I couldn't eat subs. I don't know. It's just being around it all the time. It just, I, I just got kind of really put off by it. Yeah, you do get you reckon back- it's the same for him? Yeah, probably. You know, if you do something eight hours a day, the or, last thing you want to do is that. Or maybe he has an apartment up. like Peterman. He just has like one lazy boy in a TV. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's it. Well, as you <laughs> were saying, as you were saying, you know, you were trying to figure out whether he was joking or not. I was imagining his apartment to be just quite sparse. I don't yeah. think it's literally empty. No, no, no. But no. I just think it's, you know, he's just got... He's probably just a furniture minimalist. Yeah, it's probably He's got that. the bare essentials. And he's just he looks at it so much, he just thinks, oh, God, yeah. do I really need all this furniture? Yeah. And he probably questions people's lifestyles. He says, you need five couches? Like, Yeah, I mean, he would, see the inside of, he would see <laughs> the inside of houses a lot more than most other people. Mm. So he probably just sees people with way too much furniture. And yeah. naturally, he kind of rejects that and goes, I only need, you know, these six pieces for my mm. whole house, and that's enough. Yeah, that's it. So, yeah, it's... Yeah, um, he was probably making a joke, but I think it's based in some truth. In some truth, yeah. But he he has some furniture, just not much. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I I got the idea of him just being... He kind of... And this is a weird association. It's one that I would make because I love the show so much. But he kind of reminded me, in a way, uh, of Marty Crane from Frasier. He's, oh, okay. he's sort of like a working class, down-to-earth, yeah. unpretentious guy. Right. I could imagine um, uh, Carl liking sports. I could yeah, just yeah, imagine yeah, him, yeah, you yeah. know, just... Being like a work, like a blue collar, no fu- no sort of frills, unpretentious sort of guy, going to baseball games, drinking a beer, having yeah. a hot dog, yeah. you know, just being a really cool guy to hang out with, and completely, you know, just authentic. I mean, you know, Elaine sort of talks about how authentic he is and how he doesn't want to play games, but like Marty Crane as well, he's got quite a conservative political and social yeah. set of okay. um, points of view. Yeah, you know, and if you watch Frasier, it's like he's you know he's this easygoing guy, he's not uptight, but He's he's quite conservative when it comes to like traditional values, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, and th- I just saw a lot of crossover there. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, and again, this is a strange thing to say, but it kind of makes sense coming from me. I could almost see him because you know a lot of the the comedy in Frasier is the fact that Frasier and Niles are completely unlike Martin. Like oh, he's working yep. class and they're quite highfalutin. <laughs> yes, I could almost imagine they have the transatlantic accents. Yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah, they're yeah. just totally opposite <laughs> as people. <laughs> yes, but I could almost imagine Carl being the son that Martin wished that he wish he had. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. like the sunny, uh, the sunny never had. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I I really like him. Do you think he's actually working for the removalists, or he's a uh, you know a business owner? Oh no, no. Well, he's actually moving the furniture. Yeah, but oh, but so he do could you think be it's his business. Well, on the side of the truck, it says the Azari brothers. Yeah, thought, unless his name's Carl Azari. I was going to say or he's maybe, one of the brothers. Yeah. Oh, okay, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's like owner slash employee. Yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, him and I mean, there's the other guy that uh, moves the couch out mm. of Jerry's flat when yeah. Elaine first meets him. Yeah, and then and when Kramer decks himself on it by yeah. mistake. Knocks himself out. <laughs> so good. How good's that? Classic Kramer. Funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I thought maybe those two own it. Oh, yeah, maybe. maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But they didn't look like brothers. No, they didn't. No. no. Oh, who knows? I don't know. <laughs> Unless if maybe he was in like a white collar job and then something went down, redundancy, or maybe yeah. he decided to have a career change and he yeah. got into the removalist business. Maybe just low, you know. Um, yeah, he, he was in like a high pressure white collar job and he just wanted something a bit more <laughs> easy going. Yeah. Less pressure. He's just too handsome to be a removalist. Yeah. It's like he should have done something else. Maybe he was an ad man. <laughs> True. Could have been a model. A model, yeah. And yeah. then something, you know, there was a fall from grace and he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to do blue collar stuff now. Another reason that I thought maybe he was an owner rather than just an employee, you know, removalists, like a lot of working class jobs, especially in America, don't pay super well. Mm. And the fact that he has at least a one or two bedroom apartment in Manhattan or close to Manhattan, even in the mid 90s, that, that was, tells you that he's the owner. Yeah, or, 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 or he's 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 has money, whether yeah. it's an inheritance or whether he's a business owner yeah, or yeah. whether he had a, a high-paying career before becoming a removalist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. That sort of made me realise that as well. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd probably say he's a white-collar turned blue-collar worker. Yeah. And an owner. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. No, I sure. liked him too. Yeah, I, I, yeah, he's cool. And it's really cool like to find out who he was. I was like, I've seen him in something. Yeah. Oh, Jag. Yeah, he's yep. the main dude. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah, the main guy. The last point I wanted to make, and again, this is a fresh relation. <laughs> there's a storyline, I think it's in season eight or nine of Frasier, where Roz, who's uh, Frasier's producer, mm, yeah, you yeah. know, she's 
known for being sort of quite promiscuous and and sexually liberated all through the series Mm. and she doesn't really value relationships she's just more interested in sex but she meets a guy named joe who's very much like carl he's a uh garbage man totally unpretentious just a really nice down-to-earth no bullshit guy yeah um and they end up breaking up because of some small difference in opinion or values i can't remember like carl shares a different i think oh, actually carl doesn't want kids and i think roz already has no carl wants kids and roz doesn't want any more kids yeah sure you know and that is a huge thing but that's what leads them to break up but mm. other than that they're perfect for each other that's again, a pretty big deal yeah yeah that's a that's a big deal breaker that's a huge deal breaker. but the dynamic between the two reminded me a lot of carl and elaine where <laughs> you know they're perfect for each other except one major thing you know, except just, roz isn't as insane as elaine <laughs> elaine's a bit more uh, uh, eccentric yeah I'd, I'd i'd say they're about the same i re- I could see elaine and roz being really good friends you, they're, they're yeah. very similar in a lot of ways they're both <laughs> smart successful women who yeah. enjoy sex yeah and you know are pretty you know, liberated pretty liberated and can hang with the boys yeah well, hopefully roz can dance a bit better than elaine though <laughs> yeah actually yeah uh, hopefully there's probably an episode of frasier where she dances, she but dances yeah. i think anyone can i think a you know a stump can yeah. dance better than elaine <laughs> probably yeah well in closing regarding carl do you think had elaine never asked him about abortion and she never knew or maybe never came up in conversation do you think they would have ended up being an item uh yeah uh, at least married. until it did come up. Yeah, okay. I mean that's that's a it's a pretty big talking point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, absolutely. it's not just some obscure thing that you wouldn't sort of find out eventually. Um, but yeah, I think they would have maintained a relationship until it came up for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Because um, Elaine doesn't really sort of arrive at the decision of this guy's perfect. Very often, she's quite standoffish about most guys, even if they seem really good for her. So the fact that she makes that decision early on before she finds out about his abortion opinion. Mm-hmm. To me, says a lot that she would, uh, you know, that that is real. It's yeah. not just her sort of kidding herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, let's. Cool. Yeah. That's all we have about about Carl. Carl. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we talk about Poppy? Poppy. Yes. So this is his second appearance on the show uh, chronologically, uh, played by Rini Santoni. He's appeared in the films Bad Boys, Bad Boys, as well as Cobra and Dirty Harry. Uh, he'd play Poppy, like I mentioned, in three other episodes in the series. Uh, the Pie, which was a previous episode. We've done an episode on that. Uh, as well as a later season six episode, The Doorman. And he's in the finale, testifying against the Core Four. That's right. Yeah, especially Jerry and... I think just Jerry and maybe Kramer. Uh, yeah. He's testifying at least against one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Poppy, I thought he was great. And I think this is probably Poppy's main episode or his main role in his episode he was so good man like the performance by rennie in this one especially when he goes on rants about his mother and stuff oh it's just dynamite have i ever told you about About my my mother my mother your mother must be so proud (laughs) my mother she was captured by the communista (laughs) and i love how jerry there's an awkward pause and jerry just goes so what's good tonight? So what's good tonight? And then he just trans- transitions back into being an awesome restaurant host. Yeah, even though, like, yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Even okay. though he's, he knows that he's ordering duck. He's like, so what's good tonight? Yeah. <laughs> and then Poppy just kind of snaps out of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. Um, yeah, we have talked about Poppy in the pie, um, but obviously we talked about him in the context of that episode. Uh, you know, we found out that the state health department or whatever they're called in New York, you know, shut Poppy down and he got out of business. I think Poppy learned from that. I think he's usually a pretty stubborn guy anyway, but I think Poppy really, like, you know, with financial sanctions and all these other sanctions he would have got as well, you know, getting suspended, whatever the rules are when you get caught, you know, being unhygienic. I think with Poppy, he learned from his ways. And I think with Poppy, I always saw him as a guy who kind of, he just likes to be comfortable. He just likes to have his own restaurant let it run its course, do the meals, and that's it. I don't think he looks for growth. But I think since what happened to him, I think he's trying to turn over a new leaf. And, you know, Kramer going to him talking about the pizza pie business, obviously Poppy is of Italian descent, you know, obviously. Um, I think the Italian and pizza, you know, pizza being synonymous with Italian food, I think Poppy gets a real keen interest in it, and I think he wants to go big. And he goes, this sounds like a fantastic idea. I want to really stretch myself in my later years. Yeah, no, that's just the take I have. Yeah, no, no, yeah. that all that all makes um, a lot of sense. Yeah, um, I decided in this episode. Well, I think it's, I think it's uh, pretty clear that Poppy is a bit of a emotional dickhead. Mm, okay. He doesn't really. Yeah. Ta- he obviously has a lot of resentment towards Jerry, not only from uh, when his first restaurant was shut down, but because of this episode as well. And even though Jerry doesn't really do anything wrong, like reporting uh, him to the hygiene board or whatever they're called in New York, 
in the first episode, I think is a perfectly, you know, decent thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he doesn't take responsibility, it's like he fucked up. He didn't yeah. wash his hands. And then he, I don't know, I just, he just is a bit of a stubborn old man. Yeah, he is. He's you stubborn, know? very stubborn. Yeah. yeah. But also, unlike Carl, where it's a bit ambiguous as to where, the, where his abortion stance came from, with poppies, look, I think, well, I'm not saying I've got a, you know, I'm not going to say I'm either anti or pro-abortion, but I think in poppies context, if you hear what he said, I think it kind of makes sense why he's against it. Yeah. Because he says that his mother was captured... Well, it says communists. I'm guessing Mussolini. Yeah. You know, the fascists, you know, in Italy during World War Two. Yep. Um, you know, he said that his mother got captured and put into a slave camp for 12 years, you know, by, by the, the communists. Um, and he basically says that, you know, it's implied that he said that his mother was made to have an abortion. Yeah. So, you know, it could have been his brother or sister that she could have had as well. So I can, I can see if something like that, a traumatic event like that, Happens, I could imagine that would change your perspective as well. You know, seeing making having your mother made to have an abortion. Yeah, I, mean, I can see why that, and also plus he's got the old world values as well. You know, family and traditional kind of marriage and all that kind of stuff as well. So even though he never yeah. talks about religion, I've got a feeling that maybe part of his worldview and his, uh, yeah, I guess just his worldview, yeah, um, comes from maybe a devout. Catholicism. Yeah, yeah, or, he's Catholic. You know, yeah, I'd say he's Catholic. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think he, I'm sure his mother was very important to him, and she mm. sounds like you know a, a, a strong woman who had a whole bunch of horrible shit happen oh, to yeah. her. She had a really hard life. On yeah, the of it, yeah. But I think after her death, he kind of idolizes her. Yeah, and almost puts her on an unrealistic pedestal. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, and then it's ironic how she went through all that stuff, and then she died of food poisoning. Yeah. Ironically, Poffy's a chef. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that's why Poppy became a chef? He was uh, like, oh, yeah, the maybe. food was so bad, I'm going to actually make good food in memory of my mother. Yeah. You know, I'm going to make sure... But then sure he kind it. of undid that sentiment <laughs> by not washing <laughs> his not hands. not washing his hands. So that, that kind of fucked him even more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, but I, I think I think this is definitely Rennie's most strongest performance of Poppy out yeah. of all the episodes because, you know, he's in the pie and he's like... He's in a few scenes and he kind of... He helps with Jerry's subplot. The doorman is only in like one episode. He happens to be in the same building as Jerry. Yeah. You know, it all works out. And then the finale is only in one scene. Um, but I think it's it's really his strongest performance. And I really I really enjoyed Rennie's uh, portrayal of him. Yeah, no, I did too. Yeah, yeah, I thought definitely, it was really great. Definitely the star of this episode. Absolutely, he is, uh, yeah. Do you think his... Uh, the way he gets revenge by pissing on Jerry's couch is justified, or do you think that was a bit too much? I don't think it was meant to be revenge. I think he just did it. I think he has like a bladder problem. No, it was. That you was, think it was that revenge. was revenge? Yeah. No, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought he was just like had like bladder issues and he just had to go. No. No, you think he did that? Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. Inten- intentionally. He's a stubborn man and he's very passionate. Really? Yeah. No. I definitely. I think that's why. I mean, that's why I said I think he holds a grudge against Jerry. I think it was. Oh, and also because of the duck money. Yeah. You know because. Poppy had to get those ducks from more was it Newfoundland or something? Yeah, whatever it was. Or... They got uh, the ducks pretty good there. Oh, the best, oh, the they best. Have, they have great duck. They're great duck. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So maybe he was pretty filthy about the ducks. I think so. All oh, right. And he That's thought, the way I've always interpreted it. And you thought screw you, Jerry. Yeah. Oh, I just thought because you know he had like a, ba- a bladder problem. No, because he sat down on that couch and he makes a sound indicating that he's pissing. Yeah, yeah. And Kramer says to him, you know, are you tired or something? He goes, no. He knows what he's he doing. He knows what he's doing. He's not, okay. He's just he, a addictive mother. Yeah. If yeah, he yeah. if he was if he just sat down and unfortunately peed himself, I think he'd be embarrassed okay. and he'd apologize. I so don't think he, he would just, just get it. up and go. See yeah. ya. He did it to stick it up, uh, Jerry. I think so. Okay. That's the way I was, and it makes sense given the fact that you know he he blames Jerry for shutting down his first restaurant. Well, even though Poppy was in the wrong. Yeah. But like you said, he's stubborn. So that's what I mean. It's he everyone d- else's fault but his. And that's why yeah. I said that he's yeah. not very good at taking responsibility for his actions. No, no, he certainly isn't. Yeah. No, no. Um, no. Yeah. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, okay. I'm surprised you... I, I always thought that that was the standard way of... Yeah. Well, I always thought that that was just what it was. You've never pissed on someone's couch as an act of revenge? Uh, <laughs> You're like, oh, once. <laughs> once. Not on a couch. Oh, someone's no. pot plant. Yeah. <laughs> on a cat. No. Oh, oh no. No, I didn't do that. Uh, no. Anyway, uh, yeah. So I, I, so back to my original question. Do you think that that was a bit too much? Oh, uh, well, him pissing on the thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I, I, think, I, 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 I can, yeah. I can think of some situations where, although I wouldn't do it myself, yeah, I could understand if someone felt the need to piss on someone's couch as a form of revenge. Mm, but if I someone think, was yeah. really slighted, but yeah. in this case, it's like uh, 
Probably no, no not. one did anything that bad. No, but I think the urine makes sense. I think it's kind of like a metaphor in a way. I think it's kind of like Jerry got Poppy in the pie with urine because yeah. urine was the main theme. So yeah. it was implied Poppy didn't wash his hands after he took a piss. Actually, that makes sense. And yeah. then now Poppy's getting his comeuppance and he's peeing on what Jerry... Well, Jerry's getting his comeuppance. Jerry's getting... What? Jerry's getting his comeuppance. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jerry's yeah, yeah. getting his comeuppance. I know what you mean. Yes. No, no. But yeah, Poppy's, Poppy's getting his revenge. Poppy's getting his revenge. Yeah, that's right. Oh, so, do you think he's using piss as a tool for revenge because that's what was his undoing in, yeah. in the pie? I think he's... Oh. And especially, you know, when you rob a man of their livelihood, of their business, of their dignity, yep. it really crushes them. And I think Poppy was really crushed. Yeah. And then he wanted to come back on a high and then, you know, he, he thought he'd make amends with Jerry and then Jerry did that abortion stuff yep. in the restaurant and then Poppy got all the ducks prepared just for him and mm. unfortunately it didn't work out and he went to get his money. Bit of and poetic even, justice. Yeah, and even when he walked in he was very angry at Jerry. He was disappointed in him and yeah. and Jerry went to the go get his money and then Poppy did what he did. Mm. Yeah. So it all came back to Pete. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it all came back to Europe. Do you think if the uh, abortion scene didn't happen and they just had a nice dinner and it was all pleasant and they just left and it was all good and they paid their money, do you think Poppy still would have gotten some sort of revenge or do no. you think that was the last straw? I think that was the last straw. Okay. Because you see how many people walked and got away from yeah. And it was really funny. I think it was about half of the restaurant left and the other yeah, half stayed. Yeah, quite a few. And one of the women say, I'll stay I'm with you. you I'm with you, Poppy. Yeah. So she's like pro-life too. So yeah. it's kind of like representative of like the percentage of people who believe in abortion and who are against it. Yeah. I think I would say it's probably like, not, probably not 50-50, but I'd say it's pretty close. Yeah. 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 Most yeah. issues have, you know, equal representation mm, of definitely. opinions. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's definitely a culture war that I don't want to get involved in. <laughs> no. um, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Okay. There you go. So there you go. Poppy did that he's as a, an actor. He's, revenge. Avenge, he's a vengeful man. He's a vengeful man. man. Yes. He's yep. vindictive. And I don't think he felt okay. like he got... All the revenge. I don't think that, the, that revenge was sweet enough because mm. he came back in the finale and even testified against him. He did. That's right. You yeah. know what I mean. So I just think. So he, Jerry got the ultimate come up and yeah, yeah, and the it, other three. Yeah. There you go. Uh, cool. Do you have anything else about Poppy? No, not in the context of this episode. But uh, yeah, I guess when we do talk about the Dorman episode, we'll uh, mention his scene and what he did. For sure. Anyway, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Joe Temple uh, as well as his daughter Remy and a bit about the video store clerk played by comedian Patton Oswald. I think the most famous actor in this whole <laughs> in this episode as of now isn't he no I've heard there's a guy in this episode his name's Jerry Seinfeld I've heard of him before oh I mean secondary characters yeah <laughs> anyway we'll be back to talk about some more secondaries from the couch and cucumbers <laughs> wait a second what is it that it's cucumbers no no you can't put a cucumber on a pizza well, why not? I like cucumbers. That's a, not a pizza. It'll taste terrible. Yeah, but that's the idea. You make your own pie. Yes, but we cannot give the people the right to choose any topping they want. <laughs> now, on this issue, there can be no debate. What gives you the right to tell me how I would make my pie? Because it's a pizza. It's not a pizza till it comes out of the oven. It's a pizza the moment you put your fist in the dough. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. <laughs> Cool. Let's talk about uh, Joe Temple. Played by Robert Hooks, known for the films Trouble Man, Passenger 57, and Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. Yes, and uh, yeah, it was, I was telling you off air before we came back on break, it was really good to see more uh, African-American actors in this show. Yeah. There's not many. I mean, who's the most famous one? Carly Exterminator. Or maybe yeah. Morgan. You know, from yeah. the Yankees. Probably equally. Probably equally. Yep. Yeah. Or um, the parking attendant from... The, is it the car park, the car space? Oh, the parking garage. Or the no, parking, no. Uh, the the guy who parks the cars on Jerry Street. Oh, yes, the one Sid, whose, whose Sid. job George does. Yeah, is that, that Sid? That, yeah, that's um, that's the pretzels make me thirsty episode. Yeah, the whatever it's called. Oh, I forgot. I, I the know, pretzels. What it, is it called? The pretzels. Me. It's escaped me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was really interesting. Um, I guess with Joe, just an average guy, you know, family man with his daughter. I'm guessing he only has one daughter, and his wife. Obviously, yeah, they seem pretty humble. Um, yeah, they seem pretty, uh, I guess, middle class, maybe yep. middle upper. You know, they seem to have nice furniture and yep. stuff. And, uh, yeah, they rent breakfast at Tiffany's. And Remy, uh, he says that Remy's a big fan of Audrey Hepburn. So I guess we'll talk a bit about her. But, uh, yeah, obviously he, uh, you know, he's glad that Remy enjoys all the old films, I'd imagine, probably films that he grew up with. And uh, he's uh, showing it to the next generation and they're enjoying it. Yeah, I think it's uh, a point of bonding between them. I think that's, you know, a lot of relationships between parents and kids 
uh, based on activities. Yeah. Know, they, they share an activity or they share a passion. I think this is one of them for them. Yeah, and I think he's also a really forgiving guy and he likes giving people chances because we, we see when George goes to the apartment intercom and he buzzes for Joe um, and then it cuts to George at the door. So obviously I could imagine it would take taken quite a bit of coercing from George and you know him doing his pathological lying to get where he was. <laughs> uh, and I think Joe either fell for it or he probably said, look, this guy sounds like a huge loser with no friends. Yep. Let me just... I feel sorry for him. So he's probably it, got no life. I'll just so give him a chance. sympathetic or naive? Yeah, probably sympathetic. Yeah. It's probably like, yeah. I don't, I don't think he's naive. He seems no, pretty no. sharp. No, he's pretty sharp. Uh, even when George spills grape juice and then, you know, Carl... Um, I love, Carl, I love uh, the Joe physical walks over posture. To him. Yeah. He walks over, he's got his hands on his hips and he slowly and he goes towards him. To George. George is and then it cuts. To what do you think he did to George? Oh, Smacked reckon, him one? No. I, no? Don't, I don't think he would have done that. Told him to leave. Probably not in front of his daughter. Yeah, I reckon he I reckon he just would have told him to fuck off. To get lost. You know, like, I've had enough of you, piss off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the last straw. And George would have begged. He wouldn't have, you know, he wouldn't have maintained any dignity. You know, if George. George was any sort of normal person, he would have said, "You're right. I'm really sorry. Yeah, I'll leave." But then that wouldn't have been funny, would it? No, no. <laughs> but I mean, it happens off screen anyway, so you don't see what actually happened. But I, I love how it just cuts. Yeah. from Joe, he's like slightly walking up to George. Yeah, <laughs> and then George is like, "Joe, yeah, <laughs> come, come on, on. <laughs> yeah, pleading and begging." Yeah. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm, uh, I, I just think he served the purpose. Uh, I think it was fine. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, he did what he had to do. That's right. Cool. Let's talk about his daughter, Remy. Yeah, played by Diane Theodore. Uh, she doesn't have many acting credits. Uh, she's appeared in other TV shows, including ER and Ellen, as well as the film A Very Brady Sequel. Uh, yeah, uh, she's very feisty, and she doesn't like George. And I think she's a good reader of people. As soon as she looks at George, Joe says, "This is George Costanza. He's here to watch the movie." She doesn't want to. Instantly of it. dislikes him. She just knows. I think she's a really intelligent girl. Yeah, and she really enjoys Audrey Hepburn and uh, older films. Uh, you know, like not many kids, even in the nineties, would have enjoyed films from the fifties and sixties. So good on her. And I, I think she's a really intelligent girl. Yeah, I think I she does really good in school. And, I was going to uh, say, I can smart. imagine her being very studious. A great student. Yeah, hundred percent for sure. Yeah, I think she's uh, really smart. And also props to the mother who walks in as well. Yeah, and she wonders who the hell is this guy. Yeah. Yeah, and who are you? <laughs> oh, he's part of some book club. What is he doing here? And then Remy goes, Gee, he's cheating on his test. Yeah, he's cheating on his test. <laughs> his test. Yeah, that's quite a witty <laughs> remark for a child. Oh, it is, yeah. You know, um, I I like the fact that Remy uses the, the seat, you know, when George gets up and then she takes his seat just as a way to fuck with him. Yeah. You know, and, I, th- I, yeah. Think, I think she can, you know, like you said, she's quite a good... She's uh, quite witty and quite cunning. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and quite a good reader of people. Mm, yeah, I think yeah. she realises that it would stir George up and she does it intentionally just to mess with him a bit. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. No, yeah. but I enjoyed Remy. I thought she was good. Awesome. Good character. Uh, all right, the final secondary character we'll talk about is the video store clerk. Yeah, and only, even though the video store clerk didn't do much, only because who portrayed him. Yeah. That's the reason why we're mentioning him. Uh Played by Emmy Award-winning actor and comedian Patton Oswalt. Uh, this was, as I mentioned at the start of the episode, his first role on TV. Uh, he's since appeared in films including The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, Young Adult, and the animated film Ratatouille, and ironically he plays a character in that film named Remy. Huh. Yeah, there you go. Coincidence. Same spelling, R-E-M-Y. Hmm. Yeah, coincidence. Yeah, right. Uh, he's also played the narrator in the sitcom The Goldbergs, as and he's appeared in other TV shows such as The King of Queens, Reno 911, United States of Tara, Archer, and he's going to be in the latest season coming out this month of Veronica Mars. Nice. It's Looking coming at, back. If you look at his acting credits list oh, in uh, IMDb, so it's just like... Incredible. So if, especially over the last five years, it's just so many, like a lot of small parts and character oh, roles. still, yeah. But yeah, just so many. But even in Australia, I mean, he's not a hugely popular actor here, but like when you see him, you know who he is. Yeah, you know, You're sure. like, oh, Patton Oswalt. Yeah, I've seen him. Yep. Um, but it's really it, it's really iconic or notable because this was his first TV role. Yeah. Which is, I find really interesting. Good start. You thought he would have done a couple of things at the start. Yeah, most people before they get it, even into like parts in a, a high profile show have done like some commercials yeah. or you know local access television or some crappy role in some crappy show that yeah, no one remembers exactly but the fact that this was his starting point yeah not bad good on him more power to him yeah um, the only thing I have about his character is that he just seems like a very kind of by the book almost like a bit of a square yeah yeah, yeah not in is. like a super nerdy way but just very like there's no flexibility when George is like I mean George's ideas are pretty ridiculous very ridiculous yeah. oh, can you just call him and hand it back even though yeah. they probably rented it that night yeah. it's like no but even I if can't I, do that I can imagine him even in a situation where if a customer has a request that isn't too far out is just slightly bending the rules or like oh hey can I just borrow this movie for an extra day or can you just wipe this one dollar fine like something that isn't a big deal I could just imagine him being very by the book yeah yeah, you know, yeah. even in situations that aren't don't require a lot of flexibility yeah definitely yeah I just think he's a bit of a 
sort of a he's a stickler to the rules yeah but yeah. Not, not in like a overbearing nerdy punishing way just he's just like nope this is our policy and that's it and that's it yeah and I'm sure he's gotten really stupid requests in the past but this is probably one of his dumbest yeah you know. and I'm going to rely on the stereotype of people who work in video shops I reckon he's a bit of a movie snob oh he probably is you know he probably, ju- like, he probably judges people for like, the hiring of movies he's like Gene and Vincent in a later episode yep <laughs> Vincent's picks yeah a Gene's picks yeah it's a Gene pick <laughs> maybe knows Gene <laughs> hey, maybe hey, it's the same store isn't it isn't it also the same one in the smelly car where Susan is with um, Allison or she meets Allison I can't remember in the smelly car I feel like that that set's bigger than this one because this is quite a small video store I thought the video store was like the champagne video store I don't know I thought that was in another episode maybe if you've seen if you know what I'm talking about the champagne video shop or video store has it been in another Seinfeld episode? I think it's been in at least one or two. Okay. But that set has definitely been in another episode, mm. the Gene and Vincent one. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Fair enough. Um, yeah, let us know. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, and it was, I'm pretty sure, in the smelly car. Okay. Yeah. Well, he must four. know Gene then. Yeah, he must know Gene. <laughs> yeah, him and Gene, I reckon him and Gene privately judge people, you know, when they come and hire like a dumb movie. Yeah. Like a genre, like, I don't know. Or maybe he's Gene. Because remember, Vincent's the young boy. Yeah. Because, you know, Gene's an off-screen character yeah, yeah, in, that, yeah. in that later episode. It's true. It's a maybe, maybe he's Gene. Oh. Oh. What do you think? Is is he Gene? Is uh, Pat Oswald Gene? Yeah. Maybe. That's, that's, <laughs> there you go. Like he's that. Gene. And Vincent's this 15-year-old kid who works with him. Huh. There you go. Piecing it all together. Indeed. Solving the mysteries. We did it. That was like when we did The Old Man and you said that the record store owner is also Jigsaw because it's he's played by the same actor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it works out. He, you know, Newman and Kramer were the last straw and he went postal and he thought, that's it, I'm done with humanity. I'm going to play sick games on them. Yep, I'm going to make sadistic traps <laughs> yeah. that people have to figure their way out of. Al Jolson. And he listens to Al Jolson on loop. <laughs> we got Al Jolson here. <laughs> we got Al Jolson. Who I care about Al Jolson. I reckon he fucking kidnapped Al Jolson and put him <laughs> in one of those traps. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> he, probably and he's like, he probably went up to him and he's like hey we got Al Jolson here and Al Jolson's like yeah I'm Al Jolson why have you got me in this so, contraption I, I can imagine Al Jolson is tied up in the bathroom and then Sergio Mendez is in another part of the bathroom you know like the saw film and then Sergio had to like cut his arm off to escape and he left Al there to die <laughs> Or he just uses Al Jolson records to punish people. Oh, yeah, that's right. You know, rather right. than, like, ripping their arms off or, you know, <laughs> dislocating their jaw and ripping their teeth out or something horrible. Oh, no, you're playing to... his 1931 LP again. Yeah. Damn. There's no, physical, <laughs> there's no physical injury. It's just mental. I mean, he's a talented guy, but not for the 800th time. God damn it. Enhanced det- interrogation. Just Indeed. torture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, that wraps up a... Well, the secondary p- a character's part of our episode. Yes, yeah, so out of 89 episodes that we have reviewed, Stephen, where does the couch sit for you. Uh, it's it's a number 55. 55? 51 for me. Okay. Excellent. Yeah, not a bad episode. Um, some really strong performances. I didn't laugh a lot in this episode, okay. but yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too, yeah. I mean, it weren't as many laughs, but when the, the laughs came, they were good. Yep. Yeah. And uh, for me, Stephen, Poppy has entered my top 20 secondary characters ah. at number 18. He knocks off Babu Butt. Oh, okay. So uh, Poppy is just after Mickey, Mickey Abbott, and Mr. and Mrs. Armstrong from the letter. Nice. Number 20. So, yeah, I thought uh, uh, this was a very good performance by Rennie, and uh, this is definitely Poppy's main episode, yep. his shining episode. And he, he was really well done. It was really well portrayed. Yeah, definitely. I liked it a lot. Great yep. acting. Yep, I uh, I agree. He didn't uh, make my top 20, and mm. none of the other characters did as well, none mm. of the other secondaries. Yep. But, uh, yeah, definitely an honourable mention. Excellent. And that's But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character for another week. Thank you so much for listening. It has been a good hour or so that we've been talking. Bit of a longer episode. Yeah, not by much, though. But no. Yeah, something. An extra 10 minutes to the last couple of months. That's all right. Well, they've all been, like, our recent ones have been, like, 40, 45 minutes or so, so it's good to have a one-hour one once in a while. If you want to say hello to us, Podcast at G gmail.com is our email address you can find us on social media at b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c and uh, we're pretty much everywhere you get your podcasts apple spotify stitcher yada 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 and uh, where can you find us on patreon steve uh if you head to patreon.com forward slash b-i-d-w-b-a-s-c you can check out all our tiers and what you get for your hard-earned dollars every single month yes and uh, last week uh you would have heard our bonus episode the soup nazi so we re-gifted the soup nazi to you so uh because we didn't like our first episode, which was the Soup Nazi, that much, and we thought, nah, let's just redo it again. So uh, if you haven't downloaded it already, go back and listen to it. Yeah, I listened to our very first episode, I think, three or four days ago. And oh, it, it's it, trash. I, hadn't, I haven't listened to it in probably two years, probably and around we, the time that we released it. Yeah. And I just wanted to know what we said about the secondary characters from that episode, just to get an idea. 
Um, yeah, and it's pretty... I mean, it's the first episode. It's fine, but it's very awkward to it's listen to. It's very awkward, yeah. So what we've done is um, we've we've left a thing on the... Like a, a note in the show notes saying, hey, we've redone this episode, don't listen to it. And we've put in brackets in the title, archived. So, uh, yeah. So And we've also done like an introduction last year saying that it wasn't as good. So we've had three reasons for you not to listen to that episode but if you still do then it's your fault yeah yeah so yep. it's fine there's a lot of other entry points into our podcast if you choose that one that's on you that's on you exactly yeah so hopefully we get a few more listeners now <laughs> that one's gone who knows who knows <laughs> Who knows? my name's ivan and i'm steven and uh, as requested by listener brandon who's also our patreon or one of our patreon supporters uh we're going to do the barber from season five awesome so that'll be good can't I'll wait, wait. I yeah. like that episode. it's a good one yeah especially going back to my italian roots yeah just like true. coffee it's gonna be a fun one <laughs> yes anyway Anyway, we'll see you next week. Have a good one. Catch you.